Hello and welcome to the Gospel Boldly podcast, where we confess with St. John saying, These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We're your hosts. I'm Thomas Lemke. And I am Pastor Eric Brown. I think that's the first time in a number of weeks that I've gotten the introduction right. I was going to say, we're off to a rip-roaring start, man. <laughs> this is all. Now, I'm going to apologize if, if you hear me like sniffling and stuff like that. I, I'm going to try and keep it to the, a minimum. But I'm living in denial, Thomas. In denial. So, I, Egypt, I, I, are you coming to me from across the world? Not quite. I, I say I have a cold. This is surely a cold because I don't have any allergies. It's allergies. But I, I don't want it to be allergies because that means it comes back again. So I have a – I'm, I'm fighting off a cold. So be it. Ugh, or allergies. But but that's okay. We're, we're, we're going to get through this. So I just – maybe if I'm sniffing, it's just because it's a very sad text. Moving, to be sure. Okay, moving, moving. This moves me so much. Okay. <laughs> I don't Will I seem more authentic if I cry more? Will, will, will that make people find me more believable or likable? I think that's the most relevant thing you could possibly do at this moment in time. Okay. All right. Well, no tears now. <laughs> <laughs> we are in the middle of John chapter 3. In fact, we're, we're coming up on what is probably the most famous verse in the Bible, at least at football games. Yep. John 3.16. So anything to go over before we dive on in? Well, uh, I guess we should point out what a lot of people don't realize as the verse is taken out of context so frequently considering it's cited in in, in its one little piece of John 3.16, and that is, this is actually, am I right, a continuation of the discourse with Nicodemus. Right. And what's happening is basically Jesus has just kind of been laying into Nicodemus for not having a clue about what's going on in mm-hmm. the world. And he, and he makes the example that we got this at the end, tail end of last week. Uh you had the the lifting up of the bronze serpent in the desert, where God sent the fiery serpents that bit the Israelites, and they were dying right and left. And and God tells Moses to put the snake on a pole and lift it up, and whoever looks at the snake on the pole will survive. All right, great. And the parallel is, yeah, this is what the Son of Man is going to do. I'm going to be lifted up upon a cross, and that's how you people are going to be saved. Aha. There you go. Okay. With that, that's why we have that that four. Four is a transition word. You don't just start at four, da-da-da-da, unless you have something coming before it. So Makes sense to All right. me. All right. Well, we'll what dive in. Take, uh, oh, how about we do 16 and 17 okay. together? Together. Ooh, context. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Do you know how much I love that verse, Thomas? How much? I love it so much. (laughs) I I, I bring that up because that's actually not what that word so there means. So often often, (laughs) often when we hear the word so, we think of it in terms of amount. Like, I I love the Chicago Cubs so much. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. That that's an old fashioned so. Um, it's more akin to uh, the the phrase in English, "How so?" Oh, I was having a, a bad day today. Oh, how so? In what way were you having a bad day? Well, the microphone broke during the middle of the sermon, and I had to shout. And 
it's really talking here about the manner, the way in which God shows love to the world. And this is an important little nuance. I mean, it does show the, the depth of God's love. But if you want to know what God's love looks like, mm-hmm. you look to Jesus on the cross. You don't try to look other places. And see, that's one of the dangers of, of for God to love the world so much, if we take it just in terms of extent. Well, because if God loves the world so much that he's willing to let Jesus die, surely he should love me enough to give me uh, a nice new car. Well, yeah. Or, or enough to wear where I, I should have sunshines and daisies every day of my life. Because, I mean, if he loves me so much that, that that Jesus would go to the cross, then, I mean, the new car is surely small potatoes. No, 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 it's not, that's not the point. The way God shows love is by dying and rising for you, not by giving you awesome stuff necessarily. So, oh, I'm sorry, Thomas, did I just, did, did I just uh, cramp your style or chill your buzz or something? Burst or, my or, bubble, all of the above. Something like that. Terrible. But, but what you get here is, no, this is how God loves the world. By coming into the world and rescuing you from sin and death, so that instead of just death, which is what you get in the world, which is the wages of sin, which is how everything goes, instead, now, there is life. God gives you life above and beyond this world in Christ. In fact, this is why Jesus came. He didn't come in to condemn. Jesus doesn't really come to spend his time, you know, making sure people really get to hell really, really good. Because <laughs> I mean, well, he doesn't need to come to do that. I mean, you can just say, hands off, up, up, there they are, condemned. There you go. But if he's going to act and do anything, it's to bring about salvation. Um, it, it, it's sort of like uh, if the house is on fire. I don't need to throw gasoline on it to make it burn. It's going to burn itself. What I can do is I can, I can attempt to put it out. I, I like that distinction. So, so, no, this is why Jesus comes. He comes to put out the fire. He comes to, to suffer and die that you might have life. And you know what? He's, he's going to take a hit on that one. He's going to suffer and die so that you may live. So, I mean, th- this is a cool, awesome thing, but this is how God does it. And, uh, Nicodemus, if you aren't looking for God to show love by death and resurrection, and instead you're hoping to have earthly power and respect where you can walk around and say, yeah, everyone thinks I'm awesome because I'm Nicodemus, I'm a leader, and and we're awesome. Respect my authority. Then you're going to miss the point. Yes, if you're walking around expecting people to respect you, you're missing the point. Okay. So. All right, any other thoughts or questions there? Not yet, nope. All right, then how about we uh, carry on a few verses? Okay. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Now, did you note that? Yeah, Everyone who believes well, is not condemned, and everyone else, well, they're already condemned to begin with. I mm-hmm. mean, they, we don't start off neutral. This is one of the, the great errors of, of modern thinking. The idea that we're kind of born stuck in the middle, and, and well, maybe we can choose to go towards God, or we can choose to go towards sin. And, no, no, no. We're born in sin. Mm-hmm. 
This is this is the idea of original sin. We we are born up the creek without a paddle. We are born fast bound in Satan's chains, as Luther would have us sing. And so the point that John makes here is, you know, whew, guys are in trouble already. But Christ comes in to rescue you from sin and bondage, to pull you out. And you know what? Well, so often people just don't care. This is one of the the, the great annoyances and frustrations to uh, us as Christians, I think. Just the number of people who don't... Who, <clears throat> we, we have life, we have salvation, we have forgiveness. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, what, what good is that? Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it's actually one of the, the great frustrations in the way in which Satan can try to tempt us away from the faith. We tend to like crowds. And, okay, Thomas, I'm, I'm going to ask a question. Sure. How often, when you go and do what everyone else is doing, is it actually a good idea? Very rarely. I mean, the, the, but yet, we all tend to like to go along with the crowd. That mob mentality. <laughs> oh, man, this is something that pops out so much, especially. Watch the, in the week to come uh-huh. what the new thing on Facebook is to tell you that you're supposed to be really angry or agitated about. Oh, yes. Ah, harumph. Ooh, wow, I sounded old and crotchety there. <laughs> but, but what happens is we, we love going along with the world. That's what our sinful flesh does. The, the, we, we, we love the evil works. And rather, what you have here is Jesus saying, I'm coming to the world. I'm going to pull your eyes and your attention off of your evil, off of your, the things that would leave you condemned. And rather, I'm going to have you look at me because that way, in me, you have life and salvation, not in yourself. So Nicodemus, quit coming to me in the dark. Leave the darkness behind. Quit thinking the ways of the dark and rather look to me for life and salvation. Sounds good. Now, right. question on this. When All Jesus right. is speaking here, especially his his discussion about the light and the dark, and even down to the words he uses, at least as the English text is presenting it to me, mm-hmm. makes me at least hearken immediately back to the prologue. Can we assume that the prologue then is going to continue to act like some kind of touchstone for John as we go through the text to keep coming back to? Yeah, it, it's it's a, a major theme that you bounce off of. In fact, uh, the idea of there being two ways, the, the way of life, the way of death, the way of light, the way of dark, mm-hmm. that, that is a common, common theme. Uh, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And mm-hmm. then everything else is the not on the way, the, 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 the off-roading, as it were. And <laughs> no, this one does not want to go off-roading. Sounds good. All so right. yeah, no, that is hearkening back to the... Uh, the prologue. So let, let's carry on. Good. And how about we get to the end of this little section of Jesus talking? Okay. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Now, here is something that is really interesting to think about. <clears throat> Why does Nicodemus come to Jesus by night? Because he's not too sure that he should be seen or... (laughs) Not too sure about this. Doesn't want it to come out that he's been kind of consorting with the Jesus fellow yet. Jesus, no, that's not going to cut it. That's not the way it's going to be. You don't get to, to 
Okay, ready? Hide it under hide it under a bushel. No, I'm gonna let it shine. Uh -huh. and, and again, it's just that that contrast. And I, I do like how it puts out. Maybe sing clearly that his works have been carried out in God. Now, think about that. It's not a matter of I've done my works and everything is awesome about me, but rather they've been carried out in God. Rather, God pushed you to use. God filled you with his love, his passion. Or, or I shouldn't say his passion because that ends up being a bad word in the rest of the scriptures. We're always told to avoid the passions. Fills us with his, his love, his, his life, his forgiveness, his mercy. There, that's much better in biblical. <laughs> and that flows out from us. It shows out. It spills out. Not because I'm intentionally walking around saying, how can I prove to people that I'm a good Jesus person today? No, because I am filled with God's love. I will inevitably show God's love, even without necessarily thinking about it. It's just going to happen. If you've got a, a, a cup on the table, and you keep pouring, if it's a 10-ounce cup, and you start pouring a, a two-liter a two pitcher into it, what's going to happen? Well, if you keep pouring, it's going to overflow. That's the same idea here, that, that we are brought into Christ's light, and he fills us, and it, my, my cup overfloweth. This is that whole imagery that comes here. And so th this kind of wraps up the whole thing. Nicodemus, it's not going to be secret. It's going to be up there for the whole world to see, and many will believe, and many will show forth great love on account of me. Yeah, and that's the way it's going to be. So be it. All right, and we be going now so we can come back from a break on the other side. I always try to come up with something creative when we go to the break. It doesn't always work well. Oh, we be needing to take grammar again. <laughs> oh, 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 I, I hurt now. I was homeschooled. All right. And we're back on the Gospel Boldly podcast, and we are rolling through John chapter 3. We, we've just finished the discussion Jesus has with Nicodemus, and now we're going to be transitioning back to John the Baptist for a bit. And uh, kind of get his uh, get one more good round of preaching from John before we uh, move on into other stuff. So, Sounds uh, good. Any questions before we dive? I do, just quickly, and this is a tangent, so feel free not to take too much time with it. But you said before the break that... Uh, as far as the word passion, you know, we're always told in scriptures to avoid the passions. There's also the use of the passion that comes up with Jesus and the crucifixion. Can you real quick maybe make a distinction so that our listeners understand? Actually, it's the same thing. Ah. And this is, all right. Generally, when we think of passion today, we think of, well, okay, maybe things that we shouldn't be talking about on a podcast in public <laughs> or, or being energetic or, or enthusiastic for something. Okay. The Greeks, which is, I mean, basically the language that we have here, viewed passion as something horrible because you suffered from passion. You, you weren't in your right mind when you were overcome with passion. Okay, let's face it. Not to beat around the bush, oh, high schoolers. But when you start thinking thoughts with passion, are you thinking logically or rationally? No. No. And, and basically the idea is this is something that, that you suffer from. Your, your passions, as it were, drive you to do things that you should not want to do or don't want to do, and it's bad. You suffer from them. I got you. They're an affliction of sorts. And, yeah, they were. So, some of them were actually viewed, viewed as a, a type of madness. 
you, you'll hear about eros, the 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 passionate love. Yeah, the the Greeks thought that was mad because you do stupid things. So, likewise, the idea of of passion was really a word for suffering to suffer. And so, when we talk about the passion of the Christ, that is all that he suffered. Okay. So yeah, that that's how that ties in. Perfect. So, perfect. Yeah. yeah uh, this whole positive spin on passion where it's like, yeah, you have, they would call that zeal maybe, but, but yeah, no, no, no passion. Passion is what made you do stupid things. <laughs> cool. So, all right. All right. That work? Yes. Perfect. So then diving back in at verse 22, how far do you want me to go this time? Oh, just go through 24. All right. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anon near Salem because water was plentiful there, and people were yet uh, and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. All right, so we get something going on. We see Jesus and his disciples going out. They're preaching and baptizing. Then you've got John and his disciples baptizing. Now, in general, if you have two groups out baptizing, what's going to happen? You might have, I guess, skirmishes between followers, like, my teacher's better, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul type stuff. There, there's that whole uh, factionalism that can kick in. This, right. is, this is what drove apart Abraham and Lot. We, we've got our big flocks, but our, our shepherds are, are getting into trouble, mixing things up with each other. All right, you go your way, I'll go my way. And so what we have here is we've got this transition time where it's moving from John, the forerunner, onto to Jesus, the, the, the main deal. And, and uh, we're going to see how that goes, because we're going to look at this from John's perspective about the, uh, the troubles coming up here. So if okay. you would carry on. Now, a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. All right, just pause there. Now note the situation. A discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. Now, in general, from the other Gospels, uh, how does it go for Jesus whenever someone wants to talk to him about purification? Generally, they're doing the whole straining and gnats and stuff. <laughs> it's just generally botched theology on their part. In every other gospel, whenever there's a question of purification, it's just stupid grousing. So basically what you've got is you've got the grousers coming up and pointing out to John's disciples. Yeah, we, we, we like John a little bit better. I mean, he, he, he does much more of the purification things. But look at what's happening. Everyone's going over to Jesus. Look at that. You're losing market share, man. <laughs> Don't you know is... that's a zero-sum game here? Everyone is switching over to to the Colbert show instead of Jimmy Fallon. Or actually, I don't know if that's the way it is, but I mean, and so you've got the disciples of John kind of freaking out because, dude, we're we we'd been with the popular guy, and now, I mean, we we even had Andrew leave us, and and now he's over, and, and that Jesus fellows get all our our people, man. What what's going on, man? What the deuce? So. Now, does John panic? Let's find out. All right. Uh, John answered. Thank you. John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. 
You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. Okay, this is beautiful. John says, yeah, you know why they're going over to him? Because that's what God wants them to be. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that's really where God wants them to go, because you know what? <laughs> My job is to point to him. You heard me tell you that I'm not the Christ and that he is. So, if, of course, everyone's going to end up over at him eventually. I mean, that, that that's the point. There you go. I, I, it's not a zero-sum game where we're worried about market share. I, I'm closing up shop. It, you don't need my business anymore. I, I'm wrapping things up. In mm-hmm. fact, it's going to get wrapped up for me in a little bit and probably a way I'm not going to enjoy, but that's neither here nor there. It, <laughs> it, it, we're going over that way. He, he's the main deal. The, the, he, he's the groom. He gets the church. He gets the, the people, the congregation. And you know what? I, I'm the friend who's happy. Good on you. My joy is... now. Often when we get that word complete, it, it plays off of telestai, that, that word for it is finished. That's not the word here. And here this is, let me find it again, pleplethore, pleplerothai, which is from we get the, where we get the word plethora from. Mm. It, it, it's, it's overflowing. My, my cup runneth over, as it were. Because look at this. I, dude, the, the hard work for me is done. I, I, I don't have to keep a watch out and say, he's coming, he's coming. No, no, no. I can just say, look, he, he's over there. <laughs> go go that way. Go go west, young man, as it were. Right. So so you get that whole attitude. And then you get in, in I, I stopped you before we got there. Verse 30, perhaps my f- favorite thing that John ever says, if you would read verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. Now, I know you you love me, oh kind disciple, and you've stuck through with me through thick and thin, but you know what's going to happen? I'm going to decrease. I am going to ride off into the sunset. It, my job is done. And, and what happens when your job is done? You go away. And that's what's going to happen. It's no longer going to be the John the Baptizer show. No, <laughs> it, 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 it's about... I'm trying to think. It's not going to be JAG anymore. It's going to be NCIS. Oh, that was not really the best example in the world. But still, <laughs> it, it, it's... No, no. the spinoff of the, the John the Baptist show is actually much better, and it's actually what we were waiting for in the first place. So, Everybody go right. tune in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I love the, the beauty of what John says here. And I think this does apply to our lives as Christians. Jesus must increase, and I must decrease. As we go about our lives as Christians, one of the things we see more and more is that it's less and less about our wants, our desires, dare I say, our passions. Mm-hmm. And rather, we, we hey, ooh, ooh, are you ready for your catechism question of the day? No, dun, no. Dun, 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 dun. What right, you got? Thomas, what does such baptizing with water indicate? Da, 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 da. You're, You're looking stuff up. I, I, I yes, I'm gonna. I, I, I saw the the light change on you. you that, that, the, you're looking up something. The cursor move. At least go tell people where you can look up and find stuff on 
on the small catechism. Isn't it like AugsburgConfession.org or something like that? Bookofconcord.org Book has Con- stuff. Thing. All right. That's it. Sh- shall I help you out? Yes, bring it. Uh, it indicates that in us, that by daily contrition and repentance, we should, uh, all sins in us should be drowned and die. Right, right? Uh-huh. Okay. And that daily uh, a new man should emerge in righteousness. I should have had mine open. Oh, good. <laughs> I qu- it's been happened. a long day. I quoted that in the sermon this morning. I can't even remember. It. Nice. Uh, it's the I, allergies. I mean, cold. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's the cold. It's the cold. <laughs> not, not, not the allergies. It's the cold. But, but that's the idea that that we drown our own desires, our own passion, our own sin, and Christ comes out, showing forth His love in us and through us. I mean, and, and that's the idea. And John's basically saying this is the way it's going to be, not just for me, but for all of us. Here's the point. Uh, do you notice how this disciple of John doesn't even get a name? Yes, that's ac- oh, that's ironic and and fitting, I guess. He he is like the red shirt on Star Trek. <laughs> we don't even need to know your name because you're. It's not about you. You're you're not the captain of the ship. Even if you do survive, we might not get your name, and you might not show up ever again in another episode because you're an extra. Well, ooh, now now doesn't that sound terrible? Thomas, what do you mean I'm not the important one? God loves me so much. That, well, yes, but that's love that is for you, not love that is about you. Mm-hmm. It's not that God is your fanboy who, who says, ooh, ooh, I just got my cover of Teen Beat and Thomas Lemke's on the cover. No, no, that's not the way it works. It's a matter of, of God sees our need at needs and he does things for us. But the center, the focus is always upon Christ. And so that's just an awesome thing. So, cool. Any other thoughts there? Not yet. Nope. All right. We have a good little kind of uh, highfalutin chunk. So just read that whole chunk, 31 to the end of the chapter. All right. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whomever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. All right. Do you see again that this is playing off of the whole prologue thing where it's, this is the point. This is the fulfillment of everything. Look, the son of God himself has come down and he's going to bring with him the real spiritual good stuff. So yeah, listen to him. And this, this is really kind of setting up too a lot of the other discourses that you get. Because what happens is after this, the gospel of John shifts to where we have a lot of times of Jesus getting into discussions with people, mm-hmm. and people more or less giving him a hard time. No, no. Listen to what Jesus says. He is the one who is in charge of stuff, so listen to him and do. <laughs> That's where your life is. That's where your hope is. That's the point. So, uh, any other thoughts or ideas just as we wrap up chapter 3? One quick one. We have in verse 36... Uh, the statement, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. It's it's an interesting contrast. You have on the one hand, whoever believes in the Son has life, but on the other hand, it's not whoever does not believe, it's stated whoever does not obey. 
Right. That's interesting. Tell me well, about that. The, this is one where where it's a matter of do you have faith in which point in which case your your sins are covered and atoned for, or are you remaining in disbelief in which case your sins are on you? And you're marked as one who is disobedient. Mm-hmm. The question is, what defines you? If you ha- if you are one with faith, then you are defined by who Christ Jesus is and what He has given to you in the gift, in all of His gifts. Uh-huh. If you are one who are out, who is outside of the faith, then what defines you? <laughs> your your own actions. So I what like defines? Are you defined by Christ and what He has done for you? What by saved by grace through faith? Dare I say, if I can go all Pauline? Uh huh. Or are you defined by, I did it my way, and my way is disobedient and leads to wrath. Perfect. That's good and depressing. My way leads to wrath. There we go. All right. Break time. Break it down. begins the Inquisition! The Inquisition! What a show! The Inquisition! Here we go! We know you're wishing that we'd go away! But the Inquisition's here and it's here to stay! And we're back, and we're to, we are to that part of the show that we call the Inquisition, where Thomas and I get put to the test, to the trial, to the torturous rack of questions, so that we can like give fun theological answers. All right, Thomas, are you going first, or do I get to suffer first? I'll go ahead and ask you. <laughs> All right. You mean passion first? Would that be the appropriate? Yeah, yeah. Get me. <laughs> Something like that. We're very passionate about this section. <laughs> All right. All right, so here is the question, brief, unlike my normal. Why is pride a sin? Oh, now this is another word where, where it has almost a, a double meaning, where, where pride can be a, a, almost used in a good sense, where it's a, a, a valuation of the self, where it's like, yeah, I have some value, I, I'm good at this, I will be proud of this. Generally, when the scriptures speak of pride, they don't talk about self-respect, but rather they're speaking to arrogance, to to overconfidence, to to your mouth writing checks your body can't cash. Mm-hmm. To where instead of saying, you know what, I have received many good gifts from God, rather you become the, the, the person who's doing everything, and it's all about what you do rather than what God has done for you. And the reason, well, that, 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 did you tell that kind of set up for the why, it, why it's counted a sin? Uh-huh. When I am thinking pridefully, when I am approaching things from a position of pride, I'm centered on myself. And that's the very definition of what sin is. Sin is incurvatus se, where we're all right, what, what's the greatest commandment? Love God. The second one like to it, love your neighbor. There wasn't love yourself. It was not, I love me some me. This is the will of God. <laughs> no, it, it's go serve your neighbor. And pride ends up elevating the self. 
taking the credit for what is good in you rather than giving all glory to God. It undercuts to God alone be the glory. It undercuts love of the neighbor because, I mean, dude, I'm awesome and they're lousy. So it, it does all that type of stuff. Okay. Does that work? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow, that was quick and concise. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have one. Now, in the uh, three-year series this past weekend, we had a big chunk from James. And I've got, I, 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 I'm going to read one verse and I, I want you to comment on something. Okay. Verse 4 of chapter 4 reads, You adulterous people. I like how blunt that is. Like I could get to walk out into the pulpit and say, You adulterous people. That'd be a good <laughs> verse. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Thomas, how do we deal with friendship with the world? What what comes up with that idea, and and how can it be dangerous, especially when it comes to confessing the faith? This gets back to that that kind of dichotomy idea, right? That we were talking about light and dark and things like that. And it also gets to the idea of being in the world but not of it. So we have a duty in our Christian walk to to show the love of Christ to others who may or may not be in the clutches of the world, so to speak, in the sense that they may or may not be Christians. We have duty to show love to all, enemies, neighbors, everybody. Um, When it comes to, though, the friendship with the world, where that, I guess, can probably cross the line, is when you start to allow, to borrow from another scriptural allusion, uh, start to take upon the yeast of the Pharisees or the yeast of the world and let the the unholy leaven that is in them, <laughs> leaven yourself, or just more simply stated, uh, basically allow yourself to be swept along by the current of the culture, the mob mentality, and uh, maybe pick up some bad habits, bad beliefs, and in general, um, I, I don't want to say stoop to their level because that's not quite the point that I'm trying to come to. That almost sounds prideful. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> fair. Not a stooping, but a acclimating to or a uh, cooperation with, I guess. The uh, the image I got while you were talking is, what tune are you going to dance to? Yeah. You have, you have Jesus playing, here's the tune, here's the music, you got the world playing something else. Which which beat do you align yourself to? Which which do you, wh- which one do you, you follow? I like that analogy. Because really, if you've got two different songs going, you don't get to sing along with both of them at the same time. No doubt. If, if you've got one person next to you playing country and the other person playing rock, unless it's a really strange song, you don't get to sing it both at the same time, right? Right. Even your best DJs in their mashups are going to layer them not at the same time. And right. They're going to match the beats. But that, that's horrible. I don't even know where I'm going with that. <laughs> right. But no, right. I like your analogy. Okay. All right. Well, I think that works. Cool. Uh, this is this is one of the things where that's another term in scripture where it's like, oh well, friendship sounds like it's an awesome thing. Well, right. D- depends on what you're jumping into friendship with. Right. I mean, what harmony has light with darkness or fellowship? What fellowship has light with darkness and all that? Well, and this is one of the things that I I, I think about how often it is that we will get tempted to because someone is my friend, I won't speak the truth. Mm-hmm. In fact, so often now. Uh, Friendship almost ends up being, if it's my friend, I have to pat them on the back and tell them they're awesome. Right. Let's not offend anybody. My my best friend is the one who pulls me aside and says, Eric, stop that. You're being a 
blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. I mean, and so, so rather than worried about making sure that I'm happy, no, no, tell me what I need. That's actual friendship, as opposed to this idea of friendship with the world, which is to sort of go along with the world to get along and be happy and make sure everyone likes you. Right. So, no, that's not the main thing. So Cool. All right. Are we ready to dive into John chapter four? Hey, let's do it. We did get to four today. That's awesome. We'll get some, we're, we're going to get to get some background going on here. Okay. Here we go. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. All right. Here we see Jesus saying, oh, great. Now that they've heard that I've risen in popularity, what are they going to do? Instead of nagging John, who are they going to nag? <laughs> yeah, the, the good comes with the bad in this territory. All right, that's it. We're blowing this popsicle stand. We're going to head up back north. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, are you ready for some geography? Everyone's favorite subject. Yes, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, you've got Judea, which is the part of the, the area around Jerusalem. It's basically the middle of Israel. Okay. And then there was another big Jewish settlement up north by the Sea of Galilee. Okay. Uh, called Galilee. I mean, that's where Jesus was from. Nazareth was in Galilee. Okay. And in between is the area that gets called Samaria. Thomas, who were the Samaritans? They were descendants of Abraham, but from a separate line as the, what we'll call the Jews proper at this point in time, right? They, oh, no, no, wait. There was another distinction, though. There was the mountain they thought Abraham with Isaac, what? something like that. It goes back. <clears throat> this goes back to when the kingdom of Israel split. Okay. When, when Solomon's son was a jerk and he splits the kingdom. You have basically the... Uh, Two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, mm-hmm. stay faithful to the line of David. Right. The northern kingdom gets called Israel, and they all break off, and they get conquered by the Assyrians in 722 BC. Okay. And what happens is the Samaritans are the descendants of the Israelites and a bunch of pagans from the north. Okay. And so they are that sort of they're 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 the worst part of Israel mixed up with those terrible evil people to the north. Gotcha. So basically every nasty racial stereotype that you can think of today would almost be the way that the Jews would apply to the Samaritans. Okay. It, it, it was almost that they're the, the reminder of what we might be and we don't like them. Harumph, grr, bad. Gotcha. And us good because we have pride because we're, we're the good Jewish people. <laughs> and and so what happens is they are the 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 stereotypical bad guy, if you want to think about that way. They're they're the ones that you don't want to deal with. And of course, if you look where Samaria is situated, if you're going between one Jewish section to the other, you're passing through Samaria. Mm. So so it's boogeyman not territory. Just, <clears throat> well, and so it's one where you have a lot of interaction but you don't want to interact gotcha. so it's so it's i mean it's one thing if i complain about someone who a roman but most of the romans live way off in rome and no these are the guy they're always around they're they're oh oh it's like it's like you're 
your cousins that are utter embarrassments that you're embarrassed. I mean that, except worse. Okay. We don't get acknowledge them. We're we're no 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 no. Those are different Browns. Those aren't Browns or Lumpkies related to us. No 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 no. So that's what it was. Plus, you do get some religious bad blood because, again, the Samaritans were like, we don't want to go down to Jerusalem because they're just, ah, forget them. And so you get you get distinction. You get, there is literal bad blood there. All right? Gotcha. All right. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town, uh, he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. All right. Now note this. <clears throat> uh, okay, Jacob's well, given to Joseph. Are those familiar names? Absolutely. So, so this is one of the things that comes up with the Samaritans. It's not just that they're bad, evil foreigners. It, it's they're the fallen. They're 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 they're. They should have been Jews, but they messed up so badly that they're just all catty. So, so there's that fear. It's almost like this is what you become. Oh, okay. All right. Tolkien. Uh-huh. They are the orcs to the elves. Oh, Where, I where the orcs are like the corrupted elves. Like, uh-huh. So, so that's almost the way they'd view it. Ugh. Okay. That, that was kind of a fun little token. <laughs> that's good. But, but this is that, that point there. They didn't want to interact okay we might be going through and stuff like that but you didn't want to interact and so here you have jesus and he's trudging along it's about noon it's hot and he sits down by the well shall we yeah let's get into this a little bit absolutely a woman from samaria came to draw water jesus said to her give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food the samaritan woman said to him How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now, first off, what Jesus does here, and I think this will probably be as far as we get, Mm -hmm. what Jesus does here is utterly nuts. Okay. If you are a good Jewish rabbi, remember, you're a teacher, you're elevated, Mm -hmm. your disciples do the dirty work, as it were. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, who gets sent off to go buy food? The disciples, uh, of course. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, and why? So, so who's the one who's supposed to go and interact with the Samaritan shopkeepers? The disciples. Uh, we'll let the disciples. And so Jesus is sitting by the well, and in the middle of the day comes this woman. Now, the woman's coming in the middle of the day. Would you normally go to a well in the middle of the day, in the middle of the heat? If you have to go and get your water for the day, do you generally wait for the heat of the sun, or do you go early? Didn't in the Jungle Book, the little girl was drawing it pretty early, so I'm going to say early, because I have no (laughs) real idea about that part of the world. You you didn't want to go out in the middle of the day. Uh, Why might a woman go out in the middle of the day? Well, potentially the same reason Nicodemus came in the middle of the night, but with a tweak in that instead of not wanting people to see them, they didn't want to see other people. <laughs> it, it, it's the, the she, she's not one of the good people of town. Uh-huh. We're, we're going to find out that she's not exactly the town paragon of virtue. And so basically she's going out when she doesn't expect anyone to be there. Mm-hmm. And what happens? She comes upon this Jewish man. And not only does he not shun her, 
he asks her to, hey, can, can you get me some water? Mm-hmm. Not only will I interact with you, but I'll drink something you held. Oh. And that's where we'll pause and we'll find out what happens with this strange tale next week. <laughs> All right. Okay. Sounds good. Well, have a good week. Questions for the Inquisition can, of course, be sent to, uh, well, on Twitter, uh, hashtag Gospel Bold, or on Facebook at our uh, Facebook fan page, or higher things. Comment section, I guess. Send them on in. Have a good one, y'all.